welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. It's wonderful to be here this morning. Sounds kind of odd up here. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Studies have shown that men who learn to laugh at their own mistakes live longer than men that laugh at their wives' mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. Husband and wife decided to have the pastor over for lunch, you know, and uh, they had a fantastic meal. Pastor went away. The wife said to the husband, she said, uh, I think the pastor stole our spoon. Well, she couldn't let it go. Next year, she had him back again. Wonderful meal. She just couldn't leave it go. She said to the pastor, did you steal our spoon? He said, no, I put it in your Bible. (laughs) Just Just one more. This is my favorite one. If you're fasting and gossiping, go ahead and eat. Yeah. <laughs> ah, come on, that was a good one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, thank you, Pastor Nick, for your very kind words. Um, we're 20 years consecutive this year. Uh, 20 years has gone like a... And um, we had 57 families in just at the height of Christmas week... Shannon is a population of 10,000 and two streets, actually, two. <laughs> I had to grow the beard, by the way, to distinct the DNA, you know. So <laughs> but um, Cork is serving 400,000, so that would be equivalent to 2,000 families if you did the math. It just goes to show you the depth of the need. It's our greatest privilege. Uh, God asks uh, Karen to start it. She came to me and went, oh, no, more work. More work, more money, no time and no money. But God found a way. He always finds a way. And um, so it's, it's because of the intimacy, we convert the, um, the sanctuary into a cafe. And it's no bigger than your little cafe. Our entire church would fit up here, actually. The whole thing would fit up here. And uh, there's four or five ladies under Karen's wise uh, leadership, and uh, they come in, then the folks come in from the community, and it takes a few years to build the trust, you know, you, you don't just build the trust with the right hand of fellowship in the box of Weedabix, it, it, it takes a long time to build the trust, and then when the trust is established, then come the prayer requests, and then the prayer requests migrate into the prayer meeting, and then the congregation becomes aware of the need in the community, so Uh, It really is an incredible outreach for which we are beyond grateful to God for the opportunity to work for him. Uh, He he calls us into his vineyard and puts us in a corner and says, just go and do that and stop worrying about um, what everybody else is doing. I love what he says to to, um, one of the apostles. He says, um, uh, um, if he is to remain here till I come, what is that to you? You just go and do what I've told you to do. And then keep your eyes on that, and then we can work out all the details later on. So if he's put you anywhere in church life, 
be grateful for the chance to shine uh, in your cleaning and your arranging and the heavy lifting. And then perhaps it'll add additional gifting to you. And you might find that you begin to rise into different areas over time. I, I, I wasn't ordained. I'm not, um, I didn't appoint myself. I didn't wake up one day and decide to do something. God spoke. And so you just put one foot in front of the other. And then it just goes from there to there to there and so forth. So it's the same for everybody. God speaks to you even right now. The Spirit of God is communing in your soul. And he's just letting you know what he wants. And he allows us the, uh, the adventure of finding out what pleases him. So the Holy Spirit is living in your soul and he'll commune. I love that word commune. It's more intimate than conversate. It's deeper. It's closer. And he's communing with you. And he then says, use your mind to think about what I've just said to your soul. That's, where he, that's the proximity of God. He's not up in Venus or Mars. He's not far from you at all. He's taken up residency in your soul. And so he's communing with you. All of you, every one of you. No one's an exception. Doesn't matter what kind of a day you had yesterday, or what kind of a week you had, or how weak you are, or how much handicaps you have. He doesn't recoil like we recoil. I wish we could be more like him. But he doesn't recoil like that. He is communing with you. He's revealing his will. He says, use your mind and think about what I'm saying. You know, sometimes we think that God is snapping the fingers, but he gives you time to figure out what he's saying. And then he says, use your heart. Your heart is like a sponge. And then soak up the, the feeling behind what I'm trying to communicate to your mind and then act out in the world what I'm asking you to say, to do, and to be, and so forth. And so this beautiful spirit-soul communion goes on all the time, all the time, never for a moment leaving you, never for a moment forsaking you, always looking to just build you up and plant a word of faith in you, and then cause you to believe what he's speaking to you. And my, 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 what happens? It's just absolutely incredible how God begins to work through your life. It's so amazing. And everyone I speak to seems to have a similar testimony. So just let him do that this week. Hallelujah. Let him do that this week. And more praise will come out of your mouth. All of those little things that strap onto your life will begin to fall off and Hallelujah, the miracles will be your number one testimony. And they'll become so numerous that you, you'll start to forget them, you know. Uh, because God's just doing something new every day. It, isn't that what the scripture says? He's doing something new every day. You know, great is thy faithfulness. They are new every morning. Praise be to God for his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Now, um, Bibles to the ready. Everyone got a Bible on the lap or a device? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 50. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about um, redemption that leads to deliverance. Redemption that leads to deliverance. Paul said in Ephesians 1.7, he said, in him we have redemption. The, the word is in a kind of a present continuous state. So with God, you're not in the redeemed camp one day and then next day for whatever reason out of the redeemed camp. He says, in him we have redemption. That's a closed circle. You are redeemed. Redemption, he says, through his blood, that's the price that Jesus has paid, the blood of the cross of Calvary. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. The Christian has the right to say, all my sins are forgiven. Not just the past events, nor just the present 
difficulties and struggles of the day, but the Christian has the right to say, I am a forgiven person. Can you say that with me this morning? I am a forgiven person because God himself has decreed on behalf of the cross and by the rights of the cross, forgiveness to me. And so I just embrace that every single day. At nighttime, I've taken uh, to sitting up on my bed before I put my feet in underneath the blankets and I sit on my bed and I just, I just sit there and I say, Lord, 1 John 1, 7 to 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I think, Lord, you consider it a matter of faithfulness and justice to cleanse your children. You consider it a matter of faithfulness and justice to forgive. You should instead rather be angry at me. Perhaps I haven't been good enough. Perhaps I haven't made enough stride in my Christian walk, whereby which I could present myself as pleasing to you, if I'm honest. I fall down more times than I stand up. But rather the scripture speaks these glorious words. And the Lord invites you to soak them up. Those beautiful words of the scripture, to soak them up as an antidote to your grief or an antidote to your guilt or an antidote to your suffering. That you would sit on the bed and just before you put your legs under the blankets, you would say, I'm faithful, I'm just, I forgive and I cleanse. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our sins. According to the riches of God's grace, it's a matter of God's grace that he meaningly, ungenerously pushed to the side and said, here you can have that little bit because you need it. No, the scripture says that he lavished upon us, lavished upon us, lashings, lavished, loads, bucket loads upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, God considered it a wise thing to redeem his children. He considered it a wise thing to forgive you, a, a, a wise thing to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I tell you, brothers and sisters, just a little time to think changes the viewpoint of the believer. And you'll notice the tense in which he uses those phrases is just to lock you into a complete circle of his love and say you really can't escape what I've done for you once you've come in the door. There's only one door in and there's no door out. Glory be to the Lamb who has taken care of everything. Hallelujah. And so, um, as I was preparing, you know, I've taken to journaling the scriptures in recent years. <clears throat> Sometimes the Lord allows the visiting preacher a hack, you know. He'd allow you a hack. Sometimes he'd allow you to preach a message you preached some time ago. And I thought, last Sunday's sermon was good. You know, I listen to myself now all the time, you know. Yeah, I want to be the first to catch my own heresy so that someone can't surprise me and say, what you said, oh, I know, I know. I heard it myself. I'm sorry about that. I'll retract that. But I found myself Monday listening to myself when on my computer working it's great I have a job where I can listen to myself on the computer working. And I found myself, amen you know, amen. <laughs> amen, that's right. <laughs> I said, this guy's pretty good. 
I thought maybe you might give me a hack and let me preach tonight's week's message. But, uh, but I thought, you know what, first what I'll do is I'll check in with the boss. And so Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, those mornings are journaling mornings. And I look, I'm, I'm like a cat over the milk. I pour over my eyes like magnifying glasses. And I'm looking, I'm looking, looking, looking. What is God saying? See, I'm using my mind to think. I'm finding out what pleases the Lord. So I'm using my mind and my eyes and I'm going through the scriptures. And my eyes fell upon this glorious verse in Jeremiah chapter, chapter 50 and verse, verse 33 and 34. Let's read them together. The prophet is writing. All who took them captive held them fast. They refused to let them go. Their redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will surely plead their cause that he may give rest to the earth and unrest to the inhabitants of Babylon. That would be, of course, by extension, the powers of darkness. He will surely plead their cause that he um, may give rest to the earth but unrest to the inhabitants of Babylon. Now, this particular scripture pertains to God's people. The prophet says that God's people had somehow found themselves into some type of captivity. Now, it's impossible for God's people to be captive. Jesus said, Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Isn't that right? And whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Now, I didn't study that scripture in its ancient context, but I'm wondering to myself, God has given a certain degree of power and authority to the bride of Christ over the powers of darkness. So therefore, it's impossible for the Christian to be in captivity. But sometimes you can feel like you're captive. Sometimes you can be struggling with something. We won't go into the detail of what that might be, but we'll just say sometimes you can be struggling with something that can last a long time. And you can come into the kind of situation where you begin to think and often even begin to say that I'm in bondage to. I'm in bondage to. I have such a strong struggle inside of my life at the moment, a character or perhaps something worse issue in my life that it feels to me like I am in bondage to. But I would say to you this morning, I believe by the Spirit, that the people of God are unbound. It just feels that way. It's not your reality. It's not your paradigm. It's not what God has decreed concerning you, but it is very much a sense in which you are bound. All who took them captive, says the prophet, held them fast. They refused to let them go. Sometimes I've got notes as well. God's people are oppressed, held prevented from moving forward in their lives like it's almost like they're stuck in the mud like quicksand or something. It feels like slavery even though when in fact 
We're not captives at all. We're the freedmen and women of Christ. We're the Lord's freedmen. We're the ambassadors of Jesus Christ in the society we live in. We're the ones, brothers and sisters, that God has appointed wherever we move now, in that circle you move in, to bring the light into the darkness. The question, how does it happen that a free child of God can so feel and so act like he's a slave. You see, your enemy's cunning. He works hard, doesn't he, to try and ensnare, to try and addict, even afflict the saint. And this gives him a type of grip that at time will cause the saint to groan out of their mouth and groan in prayer and say, Lord, how long more? And it feels as if the grip that's on me is so tight that even when I pray in a certain way, there is a refusal to let me go. Many other times that the saint of God will cry out in despair. Sometimes such cries do not lead to freedom. And the result is further soul-searching and even despair. And often the most prominent word a saint will cry out in their private war is why? Why is it at this point in the journey I'm not where I should be or I'm not where I think I should be? What? What is going on? When? When will I experience the victory, the total victory, the promised victory that is so clearly put down in the pages of Scripture and has been spoken to me time and time again, but yet here I am still in this struggle. Jeremiah says their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will surely plead your cause. Their Redeemer is strong. Can I say to you this morning that he's your Redeemer? He's my Redeemer. There's a lot of amens for that. We're so familiar with it. Can I try and nuance it just a little bit for you? That's my wife. If you were to come over to me and say, lovely to meet you, is that your wife? I said, it's my wife. She's my wife. She's nobody else's wife. I own her. I'm her husband. She owns me. We're in an indissoluble union. It's a marriage, in my view, unbreakable. She's mine. She belongs to me. I belong to her. I have her love. She has my love. There's nothing she can't ask of me that won't be received with every inch of what I have and everything that I possess to try and meet the need that she comes to me with. Indeed, in fact, I will try and anticipate the need. She's my wife. He's your redeemer. He owns you. His banner over you is love. He calls himself the head. And he calls you his body. He arranges you. Everyone where he wants you to be, he arranges you. He's placed you exactly where he wants you to be. It's no accident where you are. He's placed you there. He knows who the strong ones are. 
He knows who the ones this week who knocked the five days prayer and fasting out of the park. He knew it. He knew who the weak ones were. The ones who said, Did I fast five days? Yes. And by nine o'clock Monday morning, we're savaging down a bowl of cornflakes. Never so hungry in my life. <laughs> he knows who the weak ones are and the strong ones are, but yet he loves us all the same. All the same. Equally the same. No great champions in the eyes of God, really. There's no firsts and seconds. Well, maybe Abraham, but look, you know, there's always a few exceptions. Everyone's the same. He's my redeemer, you see. He's mine. The old hymn says, mine, mine, mine. I know thou art mine. Savior, dear Savior, I know thou art mine. It's the song of the saint. God says, take it into your soul. Use your mind and think about it. Use your heart and soak up what it means because it means I belong to him. I have my very own redeemer. <clears throat> he, considered, he considers it a matter of rest to the earth and unrest to the powers of darkness when he pleads your case. You see, what cause he pleads, what case he takes up is done. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, thy will, your cause. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It is a matter for him of the gravest and most sincerest seriousness that the believing saint ends up exactly as he has determined that person is going to be. And the journey on the way is laced with all kinds of things that surprise us. And is laced with all kinds of mountains high and valleys low. But I want to tell you that he who began the good work in you, and that means there was a beginning. Do you remember the beginning? It's a very simple beginning, really. John chapter 1. He says, to those who received him, do you remember receiving him? Maybe first it was receive an invitation to come to this glorious house to hear this incredible worship. What an amazing worship this morning. Really amazing. He said, you received him. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to your church. I like what I'm seeing in your life. I like what I'm hearing coming from you. I like what I'm picking up in my soul when I meet with you. And then to those who received him, to those who what? Believed believed in his name, Jesus' beautiful name, the name that makes all of us rejoice. All the joy here this morning was because of him. Nobody was celebrating me. Nobody was celebrating you. All the joy was because of him. And as we worshiped him, what did we get in return? We got some of the joy. We all felt loved. We all felt accepted. We all felt the grace of God that just seemed to appear to us again and again during the beautiful time of worship. To those who received him, to those who believed in his name, what does he do? He gives you the right. He gives you the right. Let me just try and nuance that a little bit more because again, we're very familiar with that. I have property. I'm almost finished my mortgage. And I might have a few bit savings as well. So when I die, and my wife puts me in the ground, or maybe she goes first, who knows, 
my children get the property. You can't come and say, I'm having Pastor Aiden's property. You can't say that. You have no right to that. The state can't come and take their property. They have no right to that. My children have the right to my property, enshrined in law, constitutionally supported. Nobody can touch it. It's their right. They can go into that property and turn it into a bazaar, a cafe. They can do what they like. It is their right. He gives you the right to become children of God. Hallelujah. The right. You can stand this morning and say to somebody after you've had coffee, good morning, what's your name? You're new to court church. I'm a child of God. You have the right to say that. That isn't a cliche. That isn't something we say to one another or we say to ourselves to lift us up. That's the truth. You can take that to heaven's bank and cash it there. You have the right to become a child of God. Why? Because you received him. You received him. You believed in his name. The confession just flowed out of you. I'm a sinner, Lord. I'm so sorry. Oh, so sorry. Please forgive me instantly. He forgave you. Lord, give me your spirit. Change me. Do what you got to do in this life. What did he do? He put his Holy Spirit into your soul. And there he communes with you in spirit, soul, communion all the days of your life. And what does he desire from you? That you produce fruit. Isn't that beautiful? That you just produce fruit, please. Just... Let my spirit, when my spirit communes with your soul and you take a little time to think, what's God saying? It's so lovely just to think, what is God saying? Sometimes you don't figure it out straight away. And then with your heart, you're, you, what, what do I need to feel here? What does God want me to feel? And how does he want me to move forward? And this alone will produce fruit. Hallelujah. Love, joy, peace, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I find it amazing that fruit seems to be produced organically in the Christian life. It just seems to happen. And it will continue to happen in you. Praise his glorious name. Moving along. God considers your cause equivalent to rest for the earth. That's by way of some kind of a comparison. Rest for the earth, rest for you. And then Jeremiah says, and unrest for the powers of darkness. Their day is coming. Hallelujah. Now, let's move into the question, what is God waiting for before we come to close? Okay? So what is God waiting for? This all sounds very fantastic. And I came in with the struggle this morning, and I'm feeling lighter already. Hallelujah. And a bit more faith is generating inside of me. I'm feeling like, yes, maybe today is my day. Maybe this is the day. So what is God waiting for? Can you believe the answer? Go back with me just a few chapters to chapter 46. Again, I was, my eyes all over this text. Like a cat with the milk, you know. I, I want to soak up. Something's happened to me in the last five or six years. It's, maybe it's because I've become a bigger sponge. I don't know what it is, but I want to soak up something more when I'm reading the Word of God, so I'm giving special attention. And so verse 10, read this with me. The prophet says, That day is the day of the Lord God of hosts, <laughs> a day of vengeance to avenge himself on his foes. That day is the day of the Lord God of hosts. Now, the Lord of hosts, Jeremiah said in chapter 50, is his name. Now, the Lord of hosts is Yahweh Saboath. It's very fancy. 
That's a little bit of my very limited Hebrew. Yahweh Seboat, the Lord who is the commander of the hosts of the army of heaven. In actual fact, he is the absolute supreme from which everything flows. Everything flows from God. God is necessary. Everything else just exists because of him. He is necessary. And so his will is done. His way is had every time. And when David went to take on the giant, that grotesque beast called Goliath, and he went down there to the brook and he picked up those stones and he put them in his little purse and took out one. And he said, you come against me with everything the world represents, size, strength, power, invention, technology, and so forth. But he said, I come to you in the name of Yahweh Seboath, the Lord of hosts, and I'm going to cut your head off today. And he puts that Stone in the sling, and he begins and fires it. Do you know what? If he'd been the worst shot in the world, if he'd shot north 200 feet, the hand of the Spirit of God himself would have caught that stone and placed it between the eyes of the giant. But he allows David the thrill of doing it. You see how God partners with you? Took that stone and he flung it into Goliath's head. Went over to the dead corpse of the giant that had been taunting Israel for 40 days. Taunting and attacking. You're nothing. You think you're a child of God. You're nothing. I know what you're really like. You're small and weak and puny. You have no courage. I know what you said you'd do at the start of fasting week. You said you'd fast five days. You didn't fast once. You're just a failure. That's the mouthpiece of the giant. Down came Humpty Dumpty. Slashed by a little stone. The arm of David himself flung the stone, but the hand of the Spirit of God guided it to its target. What's God waiting for? He's waiting for a certain day. God always has certain days. God has a day in mind for us when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. The dead in Christ rise first, of course. Their body is reconstituted. Except this time they have glorious bodies. Pastor Patrick touched a little bit on that earlier. They have glorious bodies. My father was buried in pain. He was buried in weakness. He was buried to the sound of grieving. But he'll be raised glorious, immortal, powerful. If you wondered what it was you were going to be like when the Lord returns or after the resurrection, as Christ was after his resurrection, so you shall be. He'll be our head. We'll no longer have human DNA. Adam's DNA is removed. We'll have new DNA. Maybe we'll call it JC DNA. With the DNA of our new head, Jesus Christ, we will be like him. We will be like him in every way, except we'll have our individuality. We'll have our own bodies. You see, that's a day. That's a great day. That's a glorious day. Do you want to know what's even a more harrowing day than that? Harrowing in a good way now. It's when every one of us gets that one-on-one -on -one audience with the king himself. Oh, I can't imagine what that. I, I imagine when Pastor Nick was coming up the stairs earlier, I imagine, can you imagine Pastor Nick coming up the stairs to meet his Savior face-to-face -face for the first time. Oh, boy, what a day. What a day. But the Lord has in mind a day. And he has in mind a day for you. And perhaps this morning, you've resonated with some of the things I've said. 
And perhaps this morning, a little bit more faith has been germinating in your heart and has been saying to you these words, and I believe this by the Spirit, today is your day. Because with God, when the clock strikes 12, today is the day. Today is your day. Today is your moment. Today is the day when you're going to get up from your seat, walk up a narrow corridor like this, take a seat here, and rejoice that today is your day. God has said and has decreed, I've taken up your cause. The day of the Lord of hosts, a day of vengeance. Who does he avenge himself on? Those enemies that have been fighting you for so long. He avenges, he avenges himself on everything that the devil and all of his demons have planned against you. And he crushes them into utter oblivion. And if you're sitting here this morning, we have one more scripture to go to and then we'll come to close. And you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, and your heart is beating. Oh, hallelujah. I'd have no objection if you got up off your seat right now and came up here and took a seat. And waited for the close. That would be like some kind of declaration. It's my day today. It's my day. I felt his presence. I, I heard his word. I'm going to get up off my seat now. And I'm going to make my way up here. And I'm going to claim the victory of the day that God has said to me is my day today. Today if you hear his voice. Never push it back. Never push it back. Hallelujah. It's wonderful to know this, of course, because now all I have to do is wait for his day. What's that going to be like? I want to close with some verses, just two, in the latter part of chapter 50. Again, this came from the journaling as I was just running my eyes on the text and saying, Lord, what more? What more? There's something more to finish this off, to present it to the people, the saints. What more? He said, verse 44, I underlined it. He said, behold, like a lion coming up from the thicket of the Jordan against a perennial pasture, I will suddenly make them run away from her. Her is to be understood as the bride of Christ, the church, you and me. And I will appoint over her whomever I choose. For who is like me? Who will summon me? What shepherd can stand before me? Therefore hear the plan that the Lord has made against Babylon. That's the kingdoms of darkness and the demon horde. And the purposes that he has formed against the land of the Chaldees. And he goes on to explain what the plan is. But here's what I want to leave you with this morning. He talks about the lion. Don't we have a cinnamon for this? The lion of the tribe of Judah. You've seen how the lion crouches closely to its prey. The lion is an expert hunter. The poor cheetah, much faster than the lion, but exhausts itself. Sometimes hasn't the strength to devour its prey. But not so with the lion. The lion is slowly making his way. There's a day coming. And when he's within range, he pounces. And he utterly annihilates the prey. The Lord has a day in mind for anyone who can hear my voice this morning, either online or in this house. And it's a day in mind when he says, today is the day. Today is the day. Your day. 
when you walk out of that captive-like situation, which you were never bound in the first place, it was never my will for you, but I'm coming, I'm going to jump on the back of your enemy of the prey, and I'm going to devour that prey in one moment flat, and you are going to rejoice. I said you were going to rejoice. Can we give him praise? Hallelujah. You're going to rejoice. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Redemption that leads to deliverance. They are inextricably linked. He who began a good work redeemed you. Remember? He's faithful. He's faithful. And he will bring it to completion. In a large house, there are many vessels. In God's house, there are many people. Each one is a vessel for his use. Just united with faith this morning. Praise God. Let's stand. Show me as the worship team is coming. Let's stand for one more minute. And I leave the altar open to you. If you want to come up here, it's your day. You want it to be your day today? I said, if I was you, I'd be sprinting up. I'd be like Usain Bolt. There may no stopping me. It's my day. God has appointed a day. So it's my day. So I'm making my way up. And I'm going to stand in the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to declare his victory over my life. And when I walk out these doors, what I was struggling with, I will struggle with no more. Because it's his day that he appointed for me. My Redeemer who redeems me completes his work in me to the glory of my Redeemer. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.